You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, FanRock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. FanRock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome everybody. Happy Easter. Happy Sunday. You are listening to Fan Rack Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And joining me today, also from Fan Rack Sports, a first-time guest on the show, Kate Morrison. And uh, you can find Kate lots of places uh, in addition to Fan Rag. She also writes for Baseball Prospectus. Uh, she's, uh, she does work for uh, Brooks Baseball, uh, also WFAA Sports. So, Kate, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great, great to have you. We uh, got a busy, uh, busy uh, schedule here with uh, lots of news today and uh, a lot of uh, stand-up performances. And, and Kate uh, does a lot of writing about the Rangers. She has a couple of pieces up uh, within the last few days on FanRag uh, about a couple of the Rangers. So we'll dig into that and uh, a lot more Ranger talk and answer your Ranger-related Twitter questions. And let's get right to it with uh, breaking news. Uh, the Orioles have placed Zach Britton on the 10-day disabled list with left uh, forearm soreness. And um, this may explain some of the uh, sort of uncharacteristic performances by Britain so far this year. I mean, he's uh, not had problem locking down saves in the, in the end, but the process sometimes has been a bit of an adventure, much more so than we're accustomed to with Britain. So, uh, Kate, would you expect Brad Brock to uh, to take over Britain while he's out, or you think that this uh, isn't necessarily a cut-and-dry situation? I mean, it's. I would probably assume that the way that um... – that bullpen runs out there. It's, it's probably going to be Brock unless he comes in and can't really prove himself. Um, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly not even sure who all is out in that bullpen right now. Um, you know, that's, I mean, bullpen, no bullpen day and, yeah. I yeah. Mean, I mean, you know. I, I don't, I don't really see Joe Walter using O'Day in, in that particular way. Um, but it, it could happen. Yeah. I don't think it's likely either. Really, to be honest, I mean, I think yeah. they've you know they've got a lot of good relievers in that pen, but yeah, I would think that Brock, give, just given the usage patterns and the fact that you know Brock really is, a, I think, a closer-worthy reliever, um, I don't think it, there's a lot of question here. So, uh, you know, again, it's a ten-day disabled list now. I'm still getting used to that. But, I think um, it's good, though. I think it. I think that the shortening the disabled list encourages teams to actually put guys on there because. You don't have to deal with there's there's less of a oh well if my guy's hurt but he's not really hurt it gives them more flexibility to to bring someone up to to cover so that you don't end up with with guys trying to play maybe trying to play through more injury because they feel that uh you know they feel like oh well the team needs me and I'll I'll just stay on the bench and, and pinch hit they can actually just go on the disabled list and it's only a week or you know it's it's ten days. It's, yeah, and a lot of times, you know, guys can be backdated to their last game played, so it can end up being much more like a week or something. Um, so, so I think that that ten day disabled list is is actually a, a 
one of one of the good changes out of this off season. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There've been some, you know, that uh, I think have been not as good, but you know, from a, I agree with you from a baseball perspective. And I know this came up on the show uh, earlier in the week or last week that uh, sometimes uh, as fancy owners, we root for things that aren't really in our best interest as fancy owners and certainly not in the player's best interest. So uh, I think the 10-day disabled list adds a little bit more um, uncertainty in terms of uh, planning for fantasy, knowing that somebody could be back in 10 days and and maybe it's not worth, you know, going out and speculating on a a Brad Brock if he's only going to make one or two appearances. Um, But uh, yeah, and I agree, it's... it's, uh, it's a good development. Uh, a couple other late-breaking items. Uh, Trey Turner is going to test out his hamstring today. And if all goes well, there's some possibility that he could be back when he's eligible uh, this Wednesday. So I think for fantasy purposes, you're still best off sitting Turner for the week, but his return could be imminent. Uh, Jackie Bradley uh, may be back on Friday, so of course he's uh, not going to be in play for Week Three. But uh, the, there was some thought that initially he could be back a little bit earlier than that. But now it looks like uh, at best a Friday return for Jackie Bradley with uh, with his knee injury. And uh, from MLB.com, we have news that Jerry's Familia may not close right away when uh, he's activated this Thursday, so he may just be eased into the role. So, again, another uh, player to avoid uh, for the coming week, even though uh, Familia's return uh, from his suspension is is imminent. Gregory Polanco has been struggling with uh, his groin injury, and he is out of the Pirates lineup again today. Uh, today, of course, being Sunday. And a uh, lot of injury news, uh, unfortunately, Uh but one good thing, Carlos uh, Correa, big scare yesterday, hit in the hand with a pitch, but the x-rays are negative. It appears to be just a contusion. There's no break there. So very, very good news for Carlos Correa. But uh, Jake Odorizzi, not so lucky. He's going to the disabled list with a strained left hamstring. The Rays are recalling Chase Whitley, but Whitley just may be going in the bullpen. So no word yet on who will actually replace Odorizzi in the Rays rotation. Aaron Sanchez to the DL with a blister. He reportedly was uh, changing his mechanics in order to better deal with uh, throwing with that blister and and, uh, wisely decided that was not a good idea. So Sanchez to the DL. I think the Blue Jays are going to go with a four-man rotation uh, for the immediate uh, future. So a couple DL moves there. Jared Parker yesterday broke his right clavicle due to a crash uh, in the out, out with the outfield wall. And uh, he was replaced in the game by Aaron Hill and then subsequently by Chris Marrero. Those would probably be the most likely near-term replacements. Kate, do you see any value for um, Melvin Upton Jr. or maybe Michael Morse, uh, who could be you know more of a long-term uh, replacement option uh, for, uh, for Parker? Um... Uh, I mean, it, it depends on what kind of production the Giants can really expect out of everyone else. I mean, because the worry about about bring you know they, about having Upton take over kind of a full time role is that his bat has been you know insipid. And I actually just wrote about this. Um, didn't didn't get the team that eventually signed him right, but 
you know, Upton's really looking for a rebound year. So it would be good personally for Upton if he got a chance to go out there and prove himself every single day. But I don't know if, if the Giants – I mean, it's obviously one of those things where it's so early in the season that, that teams don't really – haven't really decided whether or not they're absolutely contending or if they're going to kind of try to float along yet. I, I would say that – it's. I think somebody's going to have to step up and win, win the job. Yeah. Well, do you think Upton has that capability at this point in his career? Or, uh, I mean, what what was the take of uh, of the piece that you wrote? And also, where can we find that piece? That one's on Fanrag. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it was. So it's not just going up today because at... I hadn't, hadn't come across. No, that. no, that was no, that was a that was a while. That was a couple of oh, okay. days ago. I, <laughs> or a couple, maybe a week or so ago, is uh, look at what teams might might take him. And I, I didn't pick the Giants, but I did discuss, you know, why he would be a good fit uh, for, you know, certain teams uh, looking for, you know, a, a defensive a defensive plus outfielder. And what he needs is to be able to rebuild the value of the bat and be able to show that he can still hit major league pitching. Now, whether he can or not is anybody's guess. Guys do have these, you know, year long slumps the way that he had, you know, or half, half a year long slumps the way that he had in Toronto where, and, you know, continuing into the spring where they had enough lack of confidence in him to just cut him. Um, But I'm I'm glad that you, you qualified what you said because he actually had some, uh, pretty nice stats at the time that he had with the Padres, particularly early on. Um, so yeah. I do, yeah, I think he, had, you know, he showed as recently well, as it was, a year it was ago. That, yeah. that half a year, yeah. So, so as recently as a year ago, he was showing that he could, you know, hit. He could provide. You know, I'm not going to say it's all star level value because it's not. It's not even you know, you know what what you'd call a kind of first division starter level, but he could provide you know, decent. That you know, decent production for your your speedy defense-minded outfielder. Um, so it's whether or not the Giants believe that he can do that now is, yeah. is how we'll likely see that shake out. Yeah. Well, and again, you know, he's not going to be an immediate replacement. They're going to go with their their in-house options there on the Giants for the time being. Um, Brian Dozier, this is potentially uh, big news. He has a sore right knee. He was held out Saturday and will be getting an MRI. So that obviously is one to watch very, very closely. Uh, and just a reminder, by the way, and uh, I'll uh, drop another reminder again later in the show because it's important. If you're in a league with uh, a, a weekly lineup lock, so first pitch, your lineup's lock. Uh, there's no rolling uh, lineup uh, changes allowed. Uh Tomorrow, it's 11.05 Eastern a.m. because it's Patriots Day, so the Red Sox have their their early start, 11 o'clock. So in a case like Dozier's, that makes it really tough to make a call. Um, but he you know, possibly isn't viable for week three, Brian Dozier, so uh, definitely keep an eye on that. The Reds have recalled Sal Romano and also Tim Edelman, and they have put Brandon Finnegan on the 10-day DL with the left shoulder strain. So... Uh, a, a good promising start to the season uh, gone awry for Brandon Finnegan. But Sal Romano nearly made the rotation out of spring training. He was going to be coming up anyway to replace rookie Davis. Now it looks like Romano has more of a, uh, a long-term prospect to stay in the Reds rotation. So he, he will debut uh, today. Uh, Brent Honeywell was promoted, but don't get too excited, promoted just to AAA Durham. 
but he could be one of the bigger uh, call-ups maybe mid-season if things go well there at Durham for, for Brent Honeywell, one of the top pitching prospects in the majors. Logan Forsyth left Saturday's game against the Diamondbacks with a tight hamstring. He will be evaluated, so no return date there for Forsyth as of right now. And uh, Marcus Simeon has a bone contusion in his right wrist, and on Monday he will go for a CT scan. So I'd have to say that Simeon probably not in play for week three. So a lot of uh, injury news there to digest. So um, just uh, taking a a quick look around uh, in terms of lineups. Nothing too uh, too noteworthy here other than the Phillies have sort of an unusual uh, outfield alignment today. They've got Daniel Nava in uh, right field. He had the two-homer game earlier in the season. Uh, Aaron Altair in center and Brock Stacy in left field. So uh, I understand that uh, uh, Howie Kendrick is a little banged up and that they wanted to give uh, – Oduble Herrera and Michael Saunders a day off. And they're facing the lefty Gio Gonzalez, so chances were not great that you're going to see Saunders today anyway. So, um, well, Kate, looking forward to the next segment. Normally, what we would do in the second segment is talk about some of the standout players from the previous day. But um, because you've uh, been been writing a lot about the Rangers of late, and I know that's just you know generally what you do. Um, I want to focus on some of the pieces that you've read or that you've written recently, rather, and also want to talk about um, something that you wrote about Chris Devensky because I think that that's going to have some implications for some of the standout players that we will talk about a little later on in the show. So, uh, you ready to talk some DRA next segment? Sure. i'm looking forward to that absolutely so um we gotta go to break in just a minute here but uh what what is the is there a quick you know sort of elevator you know 30 second explanation of what what dra is well um (laughs) dra is simply deserved run average it is a um it is a number that uh it's, the goal is to show what in a in a kind of idealized environment that runs that a pitcher himself deserves to give up. All right. Well, uh, we will dig into more of that. Uh, we should shed some light on some of the recent pitcher performances. So stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball, and I am your host, Al Melchior. And joining me today, also from FanRag Sports, is Kate Morrison. We're going to be talking about several of the recent pieces that she's written for FanRag uh, just coming up in this segment. But you can also find Kate's work at Baseball Prospectus and WFAA. So uh, please do check all of that out. Um, so just before we uh, dig in and talk about some of Kate's work and particularly uh, some items that she's written about the Rangers, quick note about rotoexperts.com's exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package. It's your ultimate bench coach for the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a waiver wizard and learn how to scan the numbers like a roto scientist. They help you set the ideal lineups every single week. And this season, you also get a built-in fantasy training staff with their new injury advisor, powered by InsideInjuries.com. 
So get the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package now and start soaring to the top of your standings. Enter the promo code FREERADIO at the checkout for a special discount. Now, what's also been special, Kate, is uh, the performance of uh, Nomar Mazar so far this year. And uh, he's early on having sort of the look of a, a post-hype breakout, which seems sort of silly to say about somebody who's still so young, but he came with such big expectations last year uh, and then didn't come close to meeting them. So he was actually pretty affordable this year in fantasy. Uh, again, I know it's early and, and you know maybe that's the thing to, to focus on, but um, how confident should we be at this point that the season's going to be the season of the Nomar Mazar breakout? Well, I think it's, I think it's honestly pretty good to be fairly confident. I'm, you know, I being, being someone who watches a lot of minor league ball and watches a lot of prospects and writes a lot about prospects, you can kind of fall into this trap of, well, they might, or they might not baseball's really uncertain. But with Missouri, I think that there are a lot of good reasons, a lot of reasons to be optimistic. First off last season, when he came up, it was not, he was not supposed to be in the bigs when he was last year, but he came up, he had that really hot first half and then he really, really had, you know, I would say almost a cold second half. It wasn't, you know, abysmal, but it wasn't great. And I, you know, an easy explanation for that is that pitchers saw him a second time and he had to figure out how to adjust to seeing those pitchers a second time. Now that he's done that, I think that he's primed to take that next step and really be a mature major leaguer at the age of what, 21, 22. I think he's 21. Um, <laughs> you know, it's young. Uh, yeah. 21 for uh, just a couple more days. Um, <laughs> yeah. He, he turns 22 on April 26. So happy early birthday. Have to remember which... Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's the kind of player who has always made kind of slow and steady improvements all the way through the minor leagues. When you go back and you look at what he was doing at age 17 in Hickory and you compare it to what he's doing now at age 21, almost 22 in the majors, you can see a distinct through line of someone who didn't, you know, who has always had this kind of unusually mature approach to hitting. So I think that now that he's had the chance to kind of get in the league, settle in, is now being asked to hit in a, you know, he's, what is he? He's been like third in the lineup quite a bit, or I, I believe either third or third, third uh, I think, think so. is where he's from. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's really getting that chance to take what he learned last year in, oh, well, pitchers are going to adjust me this way, and these aren't your double A, triple A arms that I'm facing anymore. And <laughs> take that and incorporate that and use it to get better, which is all you can ever really ask for from a prospect. I mean, it's very, it, we, we remember the guys that come in and just immediately tear it up and don't stop tearing it up. But that's actually fairly rare. It's, it's all about adjustments. And the best thing, the best kind of player, the best thing you can see from a player is adjustments. They're not going to be instantaneous. But as long as you're seeing them, that's really encouraging. If there's one thing that you can point to, and it could be more than one, but at least one thing with Mazzara that you've just seen in the early going here where you say, okay, well, there's a sign that we're, we're seeing him put that, you know, that maturity and, you know, that 
process that we've seen with him as a prospect of, of you know, being, you know, a, a quick learner and, and kind of a quick integrator. Um, what, what would that sign or what would those signs be that you've seen up to this point? Well, um, you know, I haven't gotten to watch as many of, you know, Rangers games as I, as I would have liked, partially because I've been out at minor league games sometimes. Um, but the fact that he's, he's able, he's, been able so far to put his power into play is always an is an, always an encouraging sign. You know, he, has, he has two doubles, he has three hammers. He's he's been able to not just put his power into play, but he's been able to create hits. I remember uh, I was I think it was two years ago it was an Angels game. He took a bad pitch and reached out and poked it the opposite way for a single, which was almost a you know a recreation of his first hit, which was also in in the Angel Stadium, and being able to put balls in play and, and get hits through that way, even if you're not getting thrown meatballs, is always really encouraging, especially for a guy who does still have strikeout in his game. He's never, you know, he doesn't have as much strikeout as, you know, say, Joey Gallo does, but he is, mm-hmm. you know, we don't think of him as being a strikeout-prone player, but he actually is, you know, historically fairly prone to, to the strikeout. So... The fact that he's being able to just put balls into play while still not well, not sacrificing his power. You know, we've seen him put very powerful swings on things. He's not trying to turn himself into a single sitter, but if the single is available, he's taking it. Well, yeah, I mean that definitely does sound like we're we're watching the maturation process, and you know that's that's uh, I think highly encouraging. Um, now, another story. I mean, Mazar has been a, a you know a big story in terms of the fast start. But Elvis Andrews, obviously, is not somebody just coming out of nowhere. He's long past, <laughs> many years past his prospect hype. And for me, he's he's been a frustrating player over the years because he came up so young at age 20, had a nice rookie season. And so, you know, from there, we did what I think we typically do is, you know, as baseball fans and fantasy owners, which is, you know, we projected even more improvement. And then Andrews sort of flatlined for several years. And then I think in the piece you wrote, uh, I, I think you, you may know the fact that, uh, you know, he made a change in his approach that wasn't particularly recent. And you can see it in terms of his batted ball profile that uh, three seasons ago, he stopped being such an extreme ground ball hitter. So, I mean, my question with Andrews, because he's drawing a lot of attentions with, with the early power, is why now? <laughs> like, what's now that he's, you know, in what, what, you know, we would consider to be the peak years of his career after all these years of not fulfilling the upside we projected for him? You know, why now at, well, I think it's age 28 for Andrews, um, you know, why is, what, what changes are happening there that uh, would lead him to, to really be a, a different and better hitter now? Well, I think some of it has to do with the, um, as I said, with the Rangers bringing in a new hitting coach in Anthony, I think it's Ia, Ia, Ia Pochis, I want to say. I want to that, say works, that works for me. Um uh, I, I think that bring, just bringing in a new hitting coach, bringing in a new eye, might have just been all that he needed because he had he had this very distinctive uppercut swing for many years, and it resulted in pop ups and it resulted in rolling over, and nobody felt that he had very much access to power. Um, if you look at him, you know, I I try not. To, to get too much into the, the body type kind of discussion other than maybe talking about pitchers and talking about projection. 
But if you mm-hmm. do look at Andrews from a few years ago and Andrews now, he's put on muscle, but it's not, you know, it's not like, you know, I, I'm like, I want to say like straight jacket muscle. That's not really the word I'm looking for, but it's, it's useful strength. He's been able to put on useful strength. And I really do think that, as I said in the piece, he has made a transition from trying to play the game with his legs to recognizing that he can't so much play the game with his legs anymore. And so he's worked on being able to be a more powerful hitter. You know, even if you look at his, his stolen base to caught stealing ratio, there was that one year, 2014, where he just, he was getting caught like one out of every two times he tried to go. And Mm -hmm then you look at the years after that, he's trying to go less, but he's also getting caught at a lower percentage. So he's making better decisions on the base path. He's changed the way that his game is. And I think that that's incredibly valuable to look at because you have some guys who are unable to change the game, change the way that they play as they grow older, as their bodies change. And those guys usually end up, you know, as, as bench players or even just back in AAA. To see Andrews be able to come up as this young speedster, because that was really his, that was really his uh, calling card, was, was you know, being fast and having a good glove and, and not, not, not myself. You know, didn't, wasn't really regarded as having much of a bat, wasn't really regarded as much, having much power. Um, oh, but he had the glove and he had the, the legs. And as that's changed, he's had to discover new ways to be, you know, the, the starting shortstop. Um, well, if I if I could just, I'm sorry, I, I, I hope I cut mm-hmm. you off there, but you just yeah. you gave me such a good segue <laughs> because we got this <laughs> the Twitter question about uh, uh, this is uh, from at Ben JGC. When will the Rangers wise up and let Profar be the full-time shortstop? And, and I saw you already re- replied to him. <laughs> I mean, Ben, so ben is trolling me. Be... Hi, Ben. <laughs> okay. um, I kind of got that sense, but I mean, so what is the, the, the long-term <laughs> uh, view on, on Profar? I don't know what the internal long-term view on Profar is. I, um, but my, my personal long-term view on Profar is still that he has they would like for him to rebuild trade value he's still too talented of a player to be a bench guy um with the kind of shakeups in the outfield that they've had they might be looking at him to genuinely be their their left fielder for the next however long um i i don't know i just and this is one of those questions about about profile playing short is is his arm still good enough to play short every day because both of his injuries were in the shoulder and we've seen some on his throws from left that he doesn't necessarily have the strength or I mean, they, they come in, but they don't come in with any real, or at least the ones that I've seen don't come in with any real zip. But again, I haven't seen every throw that he's made from the outfield, so I could be wrong, mm-hmm. but they don't really come in with the zip, especially when you compare it to Profar's arm before the injury. So yeah. I don't know if I don't know if the you know if the Rangers have any plans to make him their their starting shortstop at any time soon, especially not with I mean yes, Anderson's glove has had some issues. You know, sure I think he has three errors so far this year, but I saw one of them and it was scores decision there. Um, yeah, but. Uh, you know, yes, Anders, nobody's arguing Anders' glove has diminished. 
Um, and that's, you know, one of those weird things about baseball is this, why has Anderson's glove diminished? But it hasn't diminished to the point where you would take a inferior hitter with a questionable arm over a superior hitter with the experience at short. Yeah. Makes makes a lot of sense. Well, we got to head to break, Kate, but uh, we got a little bit more to talk about with the Rangers when we come back. We still got to talk about Chris Devensky. Stick around. We got good stuff coming right up. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and joining me today, also from FanRag Sports and uh, several other destinations online and off, uh, Kate Morrison. And uh, last segment, Kate was uh, talking about some of the uh, pieces that she's wrote for FanRag uh, on the Rangers, specifically uh, on Nomar Mazzara and another one on Elvis Andrews. Uh, we've got another uh, Rangers-related question from Twitter, Kate. Uh, this one from at JR19815. And the question is, are you worried about uh, Jonathan Lucroy's very slow start? He's even dropped to seventh in the batting order. Uh, I mean, I tend to hover on the we're still in the small sample size part of the year side of the spectrum, so I'm not... I'm not willing to throw a yes, you know, a, a, I throw my hands up and say, Jonathan Lucroy is broken. He, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a slow start. You can be concerned. I mean, it's particularly if, if you own him in fantasy, I, as a, as a, you know, as someone watching the team and as someone you're know, considering would, first off, you kind of have to consider, is there a better option? And not really. Second off, I'm a big believer in, the, the repetitions, you know, even if they're not hitting, you know, dropping in the seventh in the lineup, yeah, that's that's an understandable managerial response to not him not really hitting. But at this point right now, you know, just completely dropping him in favor of Robinson Torino, no. Yeah. Slow starts just happen. from a fantasy – I'm sorry. Oh, I was just saying slow starts happen. If he gets a chance to hit more, I would, you know, I would be – I, I will not be sitting here saying, woe is me, Jonathan Lucroy is broken until he's not hitting in, like, you know, the middle of May. <laughs> but that's just me. That's, that's my fairly, yeah. fairly um, laid-back approach to <laughs> panicking over whether or not somebody's hitting. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm with you there. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I'm mean, sure the, the lineup demotion is, is a short-term thing. Lucroy has been about as steady as they come at the catcher position. And, and, you know, you talked about alternatives on the Rangers roster, but I mean, just even fantasy alternatives, catcher is such a shallow position that uh, whoever you replace Lucroy with, uh, you know, you're going to regret it. Uh, you're absolutely going to regret that. So I think uh, <laughs> the patient approach is really warranted with him as much as it would be with just about anybody. Uh, so I want to uh, shift gears here and uh, head down to Houston from Dallas Talk about Chris Devensky, because you, you wrote a nice piece on him. And one that took a, a turn I didn't expect, Kate, because Devensky's just had a sensational first couple of weeks, several long uh, you know, performances with lots of strikeouts and, and uh, uh, you know, run prevention. But you were saying that uh, you know, it, it might not be – the performance may not be as good as it has, has appeared and that you know, there might be some cause for concern. And, and you referenced his – his DRA, which we, um, you know, we referenced, you know, briefly before the break, but 
Uh, if you could just kind of give us a little bit of the background on this and, and uh, you know, why could there possibly be some cause for concern with Chris Davinsky? Well, I, so I also write over at Baseball Perspectives and one of our um, recent kind of developments in the statistical side is uh, Jonathan Judge and the rest of the stats team's uh, DRA, which is, as I said earlier, refers to deserved run average. Um, so when I'm lo- looking at particularly relievers and I'm looking at, you know, kind of short samples or even long samples, because I, I really wanted to look at 2016 too, um, I, I want to make sure that there's not something funky going on there, especially with relievers, because they can be brought in in you know, special situations where, or they can, they can come in and, and get beat up by one game, but they don't have enough innings really to kind of, so they, they end up with like a six ERA when it was just one game. And you can sometimes parse those out by looking at game logs. But with Zavinsky, I just really wanted to see, well, what, what, how many runs, especially in 2016, how many runs should he have given up? Um, and, and so last year, uh, last year he had a, a two, let me, let me, Look at this so I can give you correct numbers. So last year, his ERA was 2.16, which is really, really good, right? That's, that's really, really good, especially for a reliever, especially for someone who's been called up out of the minors and is, is kind of facing major league pitching for, or major league hitting for the first time. Um, you know, and, and, he t- and he did that over um, – how many, how many innings did he throw? I don't have these numbers memorized. <laughs> well, he did it over 48 – 48 games, 108 innings. So that's a fairly large sample size of innings. This year, um, but DRA assigned him, you know, a, a, a number of runs would be, you know, his average of runs given up would be 3.36. Still mm-hmm. good, not quite as, you know, give the Cy Young to a reliever good, but <laughs> still, you know, quite good, especially for a rookie. So by looking at that, I can then say in my head, well, you know, this isn't just, funky weirdness in his ERA by judicious managering, which I mean, sometimes that tells you more about a manager and their ability to handle pitching than it is about a specific pitching pitcher. But it says that he had, you know, he got help from his defense or he got help from his environment or he got help from the hitter because there are large numbers of of factors that go into the calculation of the RA. So far this year, you know, he only has about nine innings. He has exactly nine innings. And he has an exactly one ERA. DRA puts him at just under one, suggesting that this year so far, he's actually been better than the runs he's given up. You know, so that's because he's given up, you know, he's given up exactly, let me see, how, how many runs has he given up? I think it just, should be just one. Just one, right? Yeah. <laughs> just one, yeah. It should just be, just be one. It was... Uh, home run, you know, he gave up one home run. But what we can kind of expect is that, yes, there will be regression, but it, it looks like that if he can keep this kind of pitching performance up, he will be better in kind of a true talent sense this year than he was last year, which is really exciting for Houston fans because, you know, having having a solid young pitcher in your bullpen, especially one who can kind of go multiple innings because, Zavinsky has, you know, had some multiple inning stints in the minor. You know, he was I, he was a starter in the minors um, for for a decent period of time, and he did some spot starts for them in 2016. Um, you know, but having having this kind of guy who has has a true talent of 
low run, you know, <laughs> not not giving as many runs, is really exciting. Yeah, well, and I think that's an important context for Davinsky because, like you said, I mean, you know, probably not, you know, giving him the Cy Young, but he's been so good so far that even though he's not only not a starter, he's not a closer, and yet he's somebody you could consider having in a roto league just because of the the great uh, ratios that he's putting up. But if you if you're convincing yourself to do that, not only based on the nine innings this season, but you say, well, look what he did last year. That, that could be very misleading because last year, like you said, he was good, but he wasn't great. So, you know, I think that, you know, the DRA for him, uh, you know, sheds a little bit of a different light. Um, and I want to take a look at some of the, the standout pitching performances and put them under the DRA uh, microscope. So uh, there are a couple of hitters I want to talk about, but I'm going to just to kind of keep the flow going on, you know, talking about pitching here. We'll, we'll you know, save the hitters for later. James Paxton against the Rangers, uh, just a, a, an outstanding performance last night. Eight scoreless innings, just two hits and one walk allowed with nine strikeouts. Paxton has not given up a run. Uh, he does not know what Chris Davinsky felt like when he gave up that home run because uh, he has not <laughs> given up a run all season long. Zero ERA. His so his DRA is 2.26, which is obviously very good. Um, and you know, that's no surprise. Well, but it's very Paxton... good, but you have to look at the gap between, you also have to look at the gap between his DRA and his DRA and recognize how yeah. much of him not giving up any runs has been the defense behind him. Yeah, um, absolutely, which is something, you know, the Mariners, you know, reconfigured their, their roster to try to improve upon. Uh, but, you know, even so, when you take that into account, you know, Paxton has just looked dominant so far this year. and And he was, you know, kind of trending in that direction late last year. So I don't think anybody is totally shocked about this. But let Irvin Santana, a one-hit shutout against the White Sox with eight strikeouts on Saturday with a 0.41 ERA. So he's been nearly as good as Paxton. Uh, but Santana, of course, has been around a lot longer. We kind of feel like we have a sense. It was also against the White Sox. And it was against it the White was, Sox. That's, also, that's exactly where I'm going with this, Kate. Because he's got a 2.42 DRA, Santana. Uh, but he's faced the Royals once and the White Sox now twice. I think this is completely matchup-driven. But would, would DRA yeah, tell me something I, I different? Yeah, I would say that look at, looking at the – I mean, no, I mean, not really. I mean, you look at you look at DRA, and it, it, it does take into consideration, I, at least I believe. I, again, this is Jonathan Judge's baby, really. Um, you know – he Santana had the luck to face a very low quality team twice. I mean, I, I don't think I'm going to send any White Sox fans by saying that. I think everybody's very <laughs> realistic about about the quality of the the team out in the the, the other team out in Chicago right now. <laughs> it's not great, um, but you know Santana's had the luck to face that team twice, and and so you that's how that's one of those things. You know, you end up with that artificially deflated. ERA because he's gotten lucky. I mean, ERA. Did yeah, I well, ERA? I meant ERA. I, I'm okay, not certain okay. which one of them I said, but the ERA is too low for his actual pitching performance. Okay, so even though DRA says he's you know been a mid twos guy, that's mid twos with with good matchups. So you, you, we kind of have to do our own. Oh well, mid. I mean, it does take it does take it does take into consideration. At least I believe it does take into consideration hitters. I mean, I. I might hear some shouting from Chicago soon, judge telling me it doesn't. Um, but I, I believe it does. And so you can say that you can expect based on this, 
and of course, again, short samples. But you expect based on this that Santana will be a good pitcher this year, or at least he hasn't been a good pitcher so far this year, but he has not mm-hmm. been otherworldly. Yeah. Because well, you know, 2.2.42 2. was good for a starter. Of course, yeah. And that, that's, that's really good for a starter. It's just, you know, I, I don't think that we're going to see the 0.41 ERA be sustainable. Well, yeah, I think, uh, again, nobody's going to be shocked by that. But we are getting questions about, you know, whether he's he's legit, you know, maybe as more of the mid-twos guy. Well, we have uh, several other great pitching performances to, to look over, like I promised, also a couple of hitter performances. And a look ahead to week three. Stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and with me today and for this last segment, Kate Morrison, also from FanRag, as well as Baseball Prospectus and WFAA. And just before the break, we were talking about uh, Irvin Santana's great start, uh, James Paxton not giving up any runs. There are some other very, very good, uh, in fact, uh, exceptional pitching performances on Saturday. Marco Estrada threw seven scoreless innings with eight strikeouts against the Orioles. Uh, but overall, he's got a 3.50 ERA, uh, which I think is pretty much where we would expect Estrada to be, you know, when everything settles. So uh, I think we also know he's capable of those kinds of, of performances. Uh, less expected, Tyler Chatwood, a two-hit shutout with four strikeouts at the Giants. And uh, this is not, it, it's certainly atypical to talk about Tyler Chip, the complete game shutout. Not atypical to talk about him getting a lot of ground balls and not necessarily a lot of strikeouts. He got 18 ground balls against the Giants. Uh, but, uh, Kate, we had talked about DRA before uh, before the break. Um, Chatwood's got a 3.54 ERA, which, given the lack of strikeouts, is probably just you know maybe putting him on the fringes of be concerned for for mixed leagues, but his uh, deserved runs, uh, the A is allowed or average? I'm sorry, average, right? It's average. Average. Deserved run, uh, average, 4.03, uh, which, again, with a lack of strikeouts, wouldn't really cut it. Um, so, I mean, is, the, is that really the, the right way to, to interpret that? And, again, we are talking small sample here, but um, would it be, you know, you think correct to assume that the chat would – um, you know, is you know had a very aberrant start against the Giants, and and we don't really need to pay him much mind. Well, because DRA focuses on what the pitcher himself specifically can do, it likes strikeouts. You know, strikeout is the, the most kind of pure way that a pitcher can record an out. And so, since he does not strike many people out, he did instead induces ground balls, which are reliant on having a defense capable of handling ground balls. You know, it's necessarily going to look at that, you know, that kind of a pitcher and say, well, if if he had a you know league average defense or if he had a, a lower quality defense, some of those, you know, what was it, eighteen ground balls? Um, yep. Yeah, some of those eighteen ground ball outs might have snuck through and become singles. Yeah, now he's got a very good defense. You get enough enough singles behind, you know, you get enough singles that turns into runs. Okay, so, well, yeah, so basically, you know, DRA is telling us that, as I think, you know, we probably suspect to be a little more uh, suspect of 
pitchers who are that reliant on the ground ball. Uh, yeah. Let's uh, take, take a look at Carlos Martinez because this was just a, a just a strange, strange performance. <laughs> Five and a third innings at Yankee Stadium. Uh, two earned runs allowed, three runs total. 11 strikeouts, but eight walks. So now Martinez has a 3.57 ERA, but DRA is all the way down at 0.80. We know that Carlos Martinez is an exceptional pitcher. We know that this is, you know, a, a fluky thing with the eight walks. But when you're just three starts into the season, you must have to be doing a lot of things very, very well to have a DRA of 0.80 when you, you've walked that many batters. Well, this is this is where it would um... – I, I'm not particularly, I, I, you know, I work with the IRA. I, I think it's a really good set. I think it's a really good kind of picture of what a pitcher looks like, but I don't really have as a kind of technical expertise to go super deep into what exactly makes it up. Um, so that's, that's a question you can go bug Jonathan judge on Twitter about, um, All right. <laughs> uh, but with, with, with Martinez, I would say that it's because he hasn't been really given, giving his fielders the, the chance to, to field the ball, you know, because a, a walk is again, that's, that's purely, that's, you know, it's some, somewhat on the hitter, but it's mostly on the pitcher. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, you know, he's, he's doing a lot of non fielding outcomes, which is really fascinating. And I think that that's, you know, I think that, that Martinez's start is just, you know, it's one of those weird things that we don't really see a lot in baseball anymore, but you know, Nolan Ryan had three of them. So, that's also, you know, Nolan Ryan. Uh, right. Ryan had two of them. But, you know, Ryan was not one of those guys who had, you know, un- incredible, unhittable stuff occasionally, but only if he could put it in the zone. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is a, a, da- a name from the past, but talking about this made me think about, um, I saw Daniel Bard in double A um, mm-hmm. last weekend. Uh, he's back. He's in actually the Cardinal system now. Um, and I saw him throw one inning where he walked a guy. I believe he hit a guy, um, but he also struck out three. You know, so he had three strikeouts on five batters, which for Daniel Hart is huge. And some of it is that you know he has this stuff that is so unhittable when it's in the zone, but he has trouble keeping it in the zone. Yeah, um, well, that's, that was just yeah. a, it was. A, yeah, that's really the Daniel Bart that we, uh, you know, knew and loved before. <laughs> um, yeah, if he could just, you know, harness the control he's a little throwing bit. Sidearm. Well, not sidearm, but he's dropped down. He's dropped his slot down. Mm-hmm. He's, he's throwing near to sidearm now. It's it's fascinating. Uh, it is. Well, that's that's very cool. I, it, you know, that's good to know. That's where he's uh, popped up. Uh, as promised mm-hmm. before, I wanted to just get to a couple of hitters. Uh, Eric Thames is, uh, of course, making all kinds of friends of fantasy circles and uh, two home run game at Cincinnati on Saturday. Uh, batting average is now up to 382. He's got five home runs total. And so a lot of people are just wanting to know if, if he's, you know, uh, should be started over you know, just about anybody at this point. And again, it's so early in that I think you know, people are, are jumping to conclusions that the uh, great stats he put up in, in Korea are translating. I think, you know, if you've got somebody sort of borderline at first base, base and you've got an opportunity to start Thames, you, you do. But very, very early right now, I'd say, for Eric Thames. Mitch Moreland also off to a good start. Three for four with the home run on Saturday. He hit his uh, ninth double, uh, his bag 333. Um, 
Kate, does this surprise you at all that Moreland is uh, off to such a good start with the Red Sox? Not really. Moreland is, you know, it's the question of will Moreland stay healthy? And if he doesn't stay healthy, will he come back and be the same hitter that he was before he got injured? That's, that's been the kind of thing that you see with Moreland in, in Texas is that he's, you know, he can have really hot starts or he can have really hot stretches, but then he'll tweak something and have to go on the DL or he'll miss a couple of games and he'll come back and he won't be able to replicate that performance. He's, he's always been an incredibly you know powerful hitter and he's occasionally shown some really good, you know, plate skills and he's off and, you know, he's, you know, a, a better first baseman than he's given credit for being. But the question is, is he going to actually be able to sustain it all year? And, you know, shaking that magic eight ball that's slightly influenced by past performances, mm-hmm. you know, signs point to no. <laughs> all right. Well, um, we've just got uh, not even two minutes left, and we've got week three coming up. So, again, just another reminder, 11.05 first pitch tomorrow because of Patriots Day. Uh, So get those lineups in early. In terms of two-start options, Andrew Triggs is still available in a lot of leagues. He's got home starts against the Rangers and Mariners, so I like him as a two-start option. What about Josh Tomlin? We'll we'll finish with this, uh, Kate. He's got the uh, White Sox and the Twins on the road. Of course, everybody knows he's a a big-time fly ball pitcher, but uh, the Twins and White Sox are both in the bottom seven in terms of home run to fly ball ratios so far. Does that make uh, Tomlin trustworthy? You think with those two starts? Um, I'm not really certain. I I haven't really <laughs> done any kind of deep look into Josh Tomlin before, so I I'm not any help there. I'm sorry. All right. Well, I guess I, my you know I thought it was the, sort of an interesting juxtaposition of his home run tendencies and those teams struggling for power, but. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty. I, I'd have to be pretty desperate for an extra start to uh, to put Tomlin on my uh, on my rotation for uh, for week three. So, uh, well, Kate, thank you so much for joining us. Please check out uh, Kate Morrison's work uh, at FanRag Sports as well as Baseball Prospectus, WFAA. Uh, thanks for joining us. We will be back uh, tomorrow with Scott Engel. So please join us then. Happy Easter, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.